Romans chapter 15. And let's just start reading in verse 1. The Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Why don't we read that out loud together? Ready? We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to read it, study it, for me to preach it, and Lord, for those here to hear it. Lord, I pray that, uh, that this will be a meaningful time for us in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And if you look at verse 1, it says, We then that are strong, we then that are strong, and here's the thing. I think that most people would say, well, that's not me. How many of you ever felt weak, too weak, honestly, to do what you knew God wanted you to do? You ever felt that way? Yeah. And so that's, honestly, that is the, the heartbeat of the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a great doctrinal book. You know, it is... It, it, it has been lauded as just one of the highest forms of literature and logic and argumentation that's ever been written. So uh, lost literary scholars, so people that aren't saved, they're just, they just study literature and law and those things, they will study the book of Romans for how to build an argument. And you would think that God knows how to build an argument, right? And God used the Apostle Paul to do that. And, you know, it, it's very interesting that rarely do people go to Romans for comfort. You know, you go to Psalms. You go to some other areas for comfort. You know, um, when the Bible talks about, you know, God turned them over to destruction and, you know, this is the result. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That makes you feel good, right? You don't go to comfort, to Romans for book of comfort. I'm sorry, you don't go to the book of Romans for comfort when you're in trouble. I mentioned that um, Frank Turek had said that on the problem of pain, and you know, we preached on that a couple of weeks ago, on the problem of pain and suffering, when someone asks that question, if it's an academic question, you need a teacher. If it's a personal situation where you're really struggling with pain, that person needs a pastor. It's very interesting. Romans is the teacher. Romans is the teacher. And so we at Grace Baptist, we are very concerned about doctrine. Um, when I preached my dad's funeral, I mentioned last week that I preached the text from Proverbs on things that I've learned from my father. And so this was probably the only funeral sermon in the history of mankind where the preacher preached on the seven dispensations and the Baptist distinctives. That's what I preached at my dad's funeral. Is that hilarious? Isn't that touching? It's just so. But that's what dad taught me. And, of course, we did go on beyond that. But that was the foundation that dad taught us, how to understand the Bible and how the church is supposed to function. That was the heartbeat of what my father taught me. The other thing that was so interesting when I was going through his files was he had stack after stack of Sunday school material that he had taught 
And it was the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Scriptures, doctrine, 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 doctrine for Sunday school. is very interesting that his heartbeat... And remember, Dad started a church in uh, Syracuse, New York, outside Syracuse, Liverpool, New York, and in uh, Wallingford, Connecticut. So Wallingford, the, that would have been a congregationalist area. So when the, the, yeah, the pilgrims and the Puritans... The pilgrims were separatists. They separated from the Church of England. The Puritans were trying to purify the Church of England. So the Puritans would have started the Episcopal churches. In, that, that's the basis for the Episcopal churches in America. And the pilgrims would have started the congregational churches. Well, all, I think this is a fair statement, all of the congregational churches in our area of Connecticut were liberal. They didn't believe in the deity of Christ or the virgin birth or any of those things, all of those things that the pilgrims had held to when they came, all that doctrine was lost in the Northeast. So you had a completely secular structure in uh, Wallingford, Connecticut. In New York, where we were, it was Jewish and Catholic. And so it was, re it was really interesting that when my father taught both of those groups of people, they needed to know foundational doctrine about what they believe. And that, that, that's who we are. All right, it, and I think of my, uh, my friend and our friend Steve Clayton. He pastors Salina Baptist Temple, and the the tagline for Salina Baptist Church: "It does make a difference what you believe." Now, right? We don't all believe the same thing. All the churches in the world don't believe the same thing, and it really does make a difference what you believe. And so, doctrine really is our foundation. That's what strengthens us. And you know, when you're a kid, you don't look forward to a stake. You know, you don't look forward to broccoli. You don't look forward to your vegetables, you know, and a nice green salad. That's what all the kids love, right? It's not, you, you want the, you know, the cinnamon rolls and the donuts. And, the, and in that way, I've never grown up. That's, that's you know, obviously, right? That's, that's what I like. And, but the problem is you don't grow on that stuff, right? You grow on, the Bible even describes it as strong meat. And if you ever have someone who calls himself a preacher telling you you're not supposed to eat meat, Right? Run from that person because according to the Bible, that's a doctrine of devils. Isn't that interesting? It's a doctrine of devils. So Satan doesn't want you to eat meat. That's just one good reason not to be a Satanist, amen? Right there. I mean, that's, that's, that would keep me away from it just right there. Man, I love meat. And anyone who... You know, if, if you're working out, you know, you're trying to build muscle and get strong, you have to have protein. You can't do it without protein. You just got to have it. Now, there's a bunch of doctors in the room. They're probably saying, he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. Just don't tell anyone for this service. But uh, it, it, it is so important that you have protein and the right kinds of carbohydrates, the right kind of food to grow strong. Now, how many of you know that? right? We all know that. So we understand that in our daily lives, but it's the same thing in Scripture, that the thing that makes us strong is doctrine. That's what makes us strong. And what is doctrine? Doctrine is God's truth and God's words. So the Bible gives us very clear doctrine. So doctrine of God. Who is God? He is three in one. He's eternal. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. 
He's all-loving. These are the characteristics of God. And if you don't know those things, then you can't worship Him properly. Does that make sense? You can't worship Him properly. But sometimes when you are in trouble, those doctrines sometimes make God feel far away from you at those moments. It shouldn't be that way. So what I want us as a church to see today is doctrine in action. Doctrine in action. So when we are so we we have discipleship here, we teach the Bible, we spend a lot of time verse by verse understanding what God has said. So how does that translate into the Christian life? You know there are a lot of churches that really all they teach on is how you live. So sometimes they're very legalistic churches and it's all about you know, how you dress, what music you listen to, what you do. And, you know, somebody said, if you're busy doing the do's, you ain't got time to do the don'ts. Even if you did, you wouldn't, so you don't, so it's cool. It's just do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. But that's one way. The flip side is, well, it's all about ministry. It's all about care. It's all about, you know, feeding the poor and all of those things. And th- both of those extremes are wrong. They're both wrong. And so here at Grace Baptist Church, we try to make sure that we have a doctrinal basis for what we do. And there's a lot of teaching that goes on here. How is that supposed to impact our lives? That's doctrine in action. That's what I want us to see today. So the first thing that I want you to see is that we're supposed to be strong in our belief. And that's what the whole book of Romans is about, is establishing us in doctrine. And then when you get to chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So there's the therefore. Based on all this doctrine, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then the first instruction on how to do that, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your emotions will not tell you what is right. Right? Jiminy Cricket, theology. Follow your heart, Pinocchio. Follow your heart. Well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Noah, follow that which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and you'll be just like your dad. No, no, it's just... (laughs) Don't follow your heart. Follow God and align your heart to God's heart, and then you'll know what to do. Is that right? And so, all through... The end of Romans, Romans 12 through Romans 16, it's all about how we are supposed to live based on what we have learned. And I think that this passage, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 15, are such a tremendous formula for us to know how to put this doctrine in action and to be what what being strong in the word, strong in truth, should produce. And what it should do is it should give us a capacity. I had a job when I was in college uh, working at, a, at an airport, in, you know, a small airport where small planes would fly in and out, and I was a lineman, and I would have to put the planes in the hangar at night, and so you'd have a Cessna 152, a 172, a little beach craft or whatever, and you'd put a tow bar on the front so you could steer the front wheel, and you had to push the plane into the hangar, and there was a little bit of an uphill grade. Man, it was so hard when I started that. I mean, you'd be surprised how heavy a plane is when you have to push it, okay? And the other thing is, you'd be amazed at how much surface there is in an airplane when you have to wax it. 
and it would take me three or four hours to put them away. One day I noticed I'd put the planes away, and I looked at my watch, and it had taken me 45 minutes. Why? I'd gotten stronger. The labor had made me... Now, I weighed like 125 pounds, so give me a break. You know, skinny. Obviously, that's a long time ago, right? <laughs> but what had happened was the work had given me greater capacity for work. Now, how many of you have been at your job for, say, more than 10 years? Would you raise your hands? You've done your job for more than 10 years. Are you better at it now than you were when you started? I was thinking of Mark Rasmus, and many of you have met him. He's vice president out at West Coast Baptist College, a close friend of mine. He, you just, it would boggle your mind if you saw everything that he does. If they had to replace him, I'll bet they'd have to hire 10 people to do what he does. I doubt anyone could just step in and do what he does. But 25 years ago, he couldn't have done what he does. What happens? The more that you do something, if you put effort into it, the greater your capacity to do it becomes. That's the same thing that doctrine does for us. Doctrine, being strong in the Word, being strong in truth, it, it produces capacity in us to do the work of the ministry that we wouldn't have had. Have you ever had somebody say, I don't know how you do it? You ever had somebody say that to you? I don't know how you do it. Well, you couldn't. And if you went to Patrick and you ask him to find, you know, the genealogy of somebody, and he comes back with reams of information, say, how do you do that? I would, I would run around the room screaming, going absolutely insane if I had to look at all these little details. He has the capacity to do that. I don't. It's very interesting. But he wouldn't have had the capacity the first day he walked into the room. But here's the deal. We are supposed to be, as believers, growing in maturity. Is that right? That growth is supposed to give us strength, and that strength gives us capacity for service. And this text gives us some specific things that we are to grow in. So the first thing that I want you to see is, number one, strong belief should promote capacity to be a great helper. Strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great helper. Look at verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, I want you to notice that first statement, not to please yourself. You know, you have to be strong not to always want to please yourself. Man, any diet, got to have willpower, right? Why? Is it to Jack LaLanne said, if it tastes good, spit it out. I'm not going there. But I need to do better than I am. And, and that's the idea. If, if you're strong, you understand that pleasing yourself, if your whole life is about pleasing yourself, you will never go anywhere in life. Amen? Isn't that right? And so what that produces in a Christian is this. Doctrine teaches me that the ministry is not about me. For a strong believer... You don't necessarily come to church all the time to get something for yourself. Often you're going to come to do something for someone else, to be a blessing to someone else. Amen? That's, that's what strength does. And again, look at what it says in verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. If you're strong, you ought to be able to carry the weight of someone else. Amen? If you're strong, you ought to be able to carry the weight of someone else. How many of you want a fireman that can't pull you out of a fire? They need to be strong. 
need to be in shape, right? I mean, our firefighters notwithstanding, they need to be strong. <laughs> they need to be in shape. Nick gets a, he gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning and goes, works out every day because he has to be able to pull somebody out of a fire. He has to be able to do it. You know, sometimes you see police officers on television, you know, see a police officer that's 300 pounds or something. I don't want that guy running after the bad guy if the bad guy's after me. And so that's why I'm thankful for our police officers that work hard to be in shape so that they can care, that, that they can protect us and help us when we need it. Isn't that a blessing? How many of you want a police officer that's weaker than the criminal? No. No, that's not what we're interested in. We want them to be strong. So as a believer, how many of you want to rely on a brother or sister in Christ that doesn't have the capacity to carry your burden? We're supposed to be... The Bible says, "...bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." And here's what happens. We allow, because we don't walk with the Lord and because we're not as strong in the Word as we ought to be, we get to the place where our own burdens are too heavy for us to carry. Now, let me say this. I think all of us go through periods of life where that's the case. Is that fair? All of us go through periods of time where we need someone to come alongside us and help us. All of us do that. But you should not live there. As a believer who is strong in the Word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, all of us who are growing and we are, our, our job is to be strong in the Lord, then what, that ought to give us a greater capacity to care for the needs of others. If your understanding of doctrine only makes you mean, you're not strong in the Lord. Your strength should have you, should help you, or should produce the capacity in you to be a great helper. Now, what's interesting is there are some people who have that gift, that spiritual gift of just being a help. And aren't you glad God has given those people to the church? Praise God. I'm so glad. But I'll tell you what. Some of the best doctors that I know, are they have to be pretty tough. You know, if a doctor broke down emotionally every time he had to give a person a bad diagnosis, that person would not be a good doctor, would they? It's interesting, isn't it? But the best doctors are the ones who can do that, give you a diagnosis in a gentle way, understanding your trouble. Have you ever had a doctor that was just mean? And maybe they weren't. Maybe they had distanced themselves so much from the pain because they, you know, can you imagine you're, 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 you've got 40 patients a day. Can you imagine um, empathizing and emoting with every one of those people? That would be a very difficult thing to do, wouldn't it? That's the same thing with a teacher or a preacher. Often my job up here is to tell you the truth, tell you the truth. This is what's going on. Tell you the truth, tell you the truth, tell you the truth. And then as a body of Christ, we're supposed to bear each other's burdens and help each other. It's always wonderful when the doctor comes in and cuts you, and then there's a nurse to help you. Right? So then if you have a tough doctor and a mean nurse, then you're in Shelby County. <laughs> if you're a nurse here today, don't be mad at me. Um, it's interesting, though, isn't it? You know the church is supposed to be a hospital for hurting people. And what happens often, the first time somebody walks into the door, it's because they're hurting. 
Well, that person doesn't need to be cut on. That person needs to be loved. That person needs somebody who can come alongside them and help them carry their burden through the strength of the Lord. And that's what doctrine produces in our lives. Strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great helper. Number two, strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great neighbor. Look at verse 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Again, when you're strong in the Lord, what you understand is it's not about you. It's about the people around you. So my life, if I'm strong in the Lord, my life should be pleasing to others. It shouldn't be, oh man, I can't stand it that that guy's coming along. I can't stand to talk to him. I can't stand to be around them. Our life should be pleasing. And then secondly, it, my life should be edifying to others. That means to build them up. You need to build people up. Speak to them the way you want them to become. Build them up. That's the saved and the lost. Listen, I used to sell. And uh, one of the things that they would teach us in training is they won't buy from you if they don't like you. It's very interesting. They won't buy from you if they don't like you. You can't lead somebody to Christ if they hate you. Right? And you certainly can't bear their burdens if they can't stand to see you, see you coming. It's very important. I mean, good to our neighbors. And I'll say this as a Christian. If, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, mow your grass, trim your bushes, pick up the trash in your yard, be a good neighbor. Amen? If your Christmas lights are still up, we're going to have an altar call at the end of the service. You need to come down here and confess that. Be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor. If you're strong, help your neighbors. Be the one that they're going to call on when they're in trouble. You know, there are a lot of people who never go to church. The only Christian they know is you. When they're in trouble, are you the one that they're going to call? If you're strong in the Lord, you ought to be that. So number one, strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great helper. Number two, strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great neighbor. And then number three, strong belief should promote the capacity to be forgiving. Look at verse three. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So it all fell on Jesus Christ. So I wrote this, uh, strong belief should promote the capacity to be forgiving. Think Teflon. Teflon. The idea of Teflon is the stuff doesn't stick to it. So insults and slights should not stick to the strong Christian. Amen? I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she didn't notice my dress. It is, how many of you think that's a strong Christian? No, no, that's a weird guy trying to sound like a girl. But that, that it, it's very important that we get this. Christianity, the Christian life, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about others. It's about others. And if you are getting your feelings hurt constantly, let me tell you something. You are not strong in the Lord and you need to get right with God. You need to get over yourself and invest in somebody else. Now, there's two sides to it. Number one, we all need to recognize what our words can do to somebody else. Is that fair? And then number two, it's really interesting. The Bible says not to call, that we're not supposed to cause a weaker brother to stumble. Don't cause a weaker brother to stumble. Amen? But there's something that's implied in that. 
don't be the weaker brother. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong. And so all of us are going to receive slights, um, criticism. Now, let me say this. You are supposed to hold me accountable, right? And I might not want to hear what you have to say. I will do the best to hear it. My nature, this is going to surprise you, is that I'm a fighter, right? You talking to me? (laughs) Which is a great temperament for a pastor, so loving and all of those things. Hey, God called me. Take it up with him. Um, But I I really do. I, I need you all to hold me accountable. I'll make a mistake. I'll say something that the Bible is teaching. Like I was talking about the ephah in uh, uh, Zechariah. And I had forgotten what it taught. I had taught it earlier. I was doing it off the top of my head. And I said it was the wrong thing when it's actually a basket. And I said it was the wrong thing. And one of of you all came and said, well, isn't that a basket? And Oh, yeah. I'm so stupid. And then I get, I can't believe I said that. And that's what I do, you know, because you know me. I'm perfect, right? I've got to be perfect. Got to be perfect. Can't believe I made a mistake in a sermon. Now, here's the problem. Now, I really do do that. I get, I get really mad at myself when I make a mistake in a sermon because I've got to be right. Now, imagine if I had that depressive personality. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in this downward spiral of I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Everybody hates me. God can't use me anymore. None of that is true. None of it is true. Let me, I don't deserve to be standing up here. You know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I don't think I'm worthy to preach the word. But God has called me to do that, and he has equipped me to do it. If I allow criticism, if I allow people's words to destroy my usefulness, does that please God? Is that being strong in the Lord, or is that succumbing to my own personal weakness? I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord. And so think of that concept of Teflon. I've used myself for this illustration, but all of us, whether it's in discipleship or in a Sunday school situation or if it's just serving in Awana, any of our ministries, whether it's at work or among your family, if you internalize criticism, it will destroy you. You can't do it. If you suffer from depression, get help. Please get help. Help. There are different types of depression. Some of it's emotional, and counseling can help you with that. Some of it's physical. It's diet. It's sleep. You may need some kind of medication. Listen, if, if a doctor, a qualified doctor, can prescribe you medication to help you with that, listen to the doctor. So There was something going on in Christianity where the, the people taught that if you take any kind of medication for any of those issues, that that's sin or it's weakness or it's whatever. I've told you before, I, I have acid reflux. Think about that for a few minutes. You just picture it. And so the way that I keep that from affecting me is I take Prilosec. What does that do? It helps me to be able to drink coffee so that I can still love you people. <laughs> It helps me. It just helps me. I have allergies, so I take allergy medication. If medication can help you with some of those issues, now don't self-medicate, and all the doctors said, amen. Amen. (laughs) But get help. And let me say this. If you struggle with depression, don't go to a lost, an unsaved counselor. 
right? Go to a saved counselor who understands two things, the Bible and medicine, right? And get some good help. And, of course, we have Dr. Anglin who can help you with a lot of those things. It's very important that you see that. So, number one, if you have, if you struggle with depression with these things, please get help because you're useful. And then number two, don't allow personal insults and slights to affect your ministry. Don't do that. Then, strong belief... Oh, I wanted to say this too. Under, under that third point, strong belief should promote the capacity to be forgiving. And then look at the verse. It says in verse 3, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. That Teflon, that's Christ-likeness. That's Christ-likeness. Aren't you glad that Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do? Aren't you glad that's your Savior? Not the one who said, you, you and you? Yeah. I'm going to get you. I know who you are. I know where you live. Can you imagine if that's what Jesus said on the cross? The, the whole foundation of Christianity would have been different. And yet that's the way that we live, at least we fighters, people like me. Others of you are passive-aggressive, and so it just, you know, you don't ever actually deal with the issue. And there's others, you just internalize it and never say anything. And you have all of those issues. So really care for that. Then, number four, strong belief should promote the capacity for growth. Look at verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So this is talking about the Old Testament, everything that those folks went through. So what strong doctrine and understanding what the Bible has taught about Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Joseph and Daniel and, and Jonah and all of these characters from the Old Testament, what that's supposed to do is it's supposed to promote growth in us, growth in learning. Are you learning? Number two, growth in patience. Number three, growth in comfort. And then growth in hope. If you are a Christian, you've been saved for a long time, and tomorrow doesn't look better than yesterday, you need some help. You're not strong anymore. You need hope for tomorrow. If you don't have hope for tomorrow, God has hope for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need someone to come alongside you and help you bear your burden because you are falling under the weight of it. Um, then, number five, strong belief should promote the capacity for like-mindedness. Isn't it amazing that all this stuff is in one passage? It should promote the capacity for like-mindedness. Look at verse 5. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have the same mind. Remember, we talk about it all the time, 1 Corinthians 1.10. I would that you all speak the same thing. You all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Like-mindedness. In Philippians chapter 1, striving together for the faith of the gospel, where we come together. Then look at what it says. Verse 6, this is so cool under this, this like-mindedness, that ye may with one mind, now look at this, and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The same thing. 
the same thing. We believe the same thing. We speak the same thing. We practice the same thing. And what is that in this context? That we have the capacity to be a great helper. We have the capacity to be a great neighbor. That we have the capacity to be forgiving. That we have the capacity for growth. And that we have the capacity for like-mindedness. This is the importance of, of discipleship. It's the importance of discipleship. Um, I'd like to talk to you more about that, but I've, I've gone too long already. Then number six, strong belief should promote the capacity to accept others, to receive others. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. If you're strong, you'll be able to accept somebody that comes into the church and they don't smell good. You'll be able to accept somebody that comes in and they haven't learned the things that you've learned yet. You just accept people. And what happens is a lot of those differences that would keep us apart in Christ, they're supposed to go away. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're married or unmarried. It do, none of those things matter in the body of Christ. We are one and we're supposed to accept and receive each other. All of us who are saved and who love Jesus Christ, we should be more accepting of people. N now listen, not more accepting of false doctrine, not more accepting of error. We receive the people, but not their error. We try to help them grow in the Lord. Amen? And it is amazing how some, somehow Christians think that in order for me to receive that person, I have to also accept and endorse all their false doctrine. That makes no sense at all. You go to the doctor and you, you've got high blood pressure. You're overweight. You've got neuropathy starting in your feet. You got all this stuff going on. And the doctor says, I love you. Keep eating what you are. You better fire that doctor. Amen? Okay, you gotta, you're eating way too many carbs. Cut out the sugar. Go and get some exercise. Amen? I mean, just, you guys didn't know I had a medical degree, did you? <laughs> Play one on TV. It's really important that we get this. You receive the person, but not their doctrinal error. But, but, I don't think we have a problem here at Grace Baptist Church accepting doctrinal error. I think where we might need to improve is accepting people. We need to do that. We need to do that. And let me tell you something. This is not 1972. The people that come into Grace Baptist Church are not going to look like some of you. I, um, I was preaching out at a church. I, I walk in the door, and the guy greets me at the door. He looked good. Nice suit. He looked sharp. With a tattoo covering half of his face. He was there every night. I, I was there. I've preached there two or three times. He's there every time serving God. It's wonderful. Praise God. Can you imagine treating that man poorly because he didn't look like you? Man, that's out of the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. It's terrible. Amen? Amen? If we're going to reach this culture, we need to understand there are people in this culture who don't look like us. Now, I'm not going to recommend that you go out and get your face tattooed so you can look like these people and minister to them. Amen? But man, if you've got tattoos, come serve God with us. We love you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Some lady comes in. She's not dressed modestly. 
but she heard about Grace Baptist Church. Praise God that she's here. Let's love that person and invest in them. Why? Because the ministry is not about you. It's about others. It is about others. Now, again, we're not going to leave people the way that they are. We're going to teach them what the Bible says about things and try and lovingly grow them to where they're supposed to be in Christ. But you can't expect a baby to behave like an adult. And you certainly can't expect a lost person to, be saved, to behave like a believer. That's what legalism is about. Remember this. Jesus Christ, very important. Jesus Christ didn't come to put new clothes on the old man. He came to make dead people live. That's what our job is. Let's, let's finish this. According to our text, Romans 15, strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great helper. Do you have the capacity to bear someone else's burdens? Or are you at a place where you say, I can't take one more thing? Well, then you're in one of two places. Number one, number one, you're ready to help somebody. Number two, you need help. So if you're ready to help somebody, what should you do? Help somebody. If you need help, what should you do? Get help. Get help. Number two, strong belief should promote the capacity to be a great neighbor. All right? Get your lawn cleaned up. Be nice to people. Be winsome and pleasant. Strong belief should promote the capacity to be forgiving. Remember Teflon. Don't, don't let criticisms define you. If, you. if you get a criticism, look at it. Is it true? If it's true, change. If it's not, forget about it. Number four, strong belief should promote the capacity for growth in learning, patience, comfort, and in hope. Strong belief should promote the capacity for like-mindedness. Let's be one, amen? Let's be, let's be a church. And then number six, strong belief should promote the capacity to accept others. Man, look, at, look for somebody that's different than you. Get to know them. That'd be awesome. Amen? Let's just get to know each other. Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you so much for Grace Baptist Church.